again, everybody. Welcome to the 615 Preps Podcast, the preseason edition. This episode will have a, an overview of the teams in our area of Class 3A. I'm Chris Brooks alongside with Scott Burton. And, Scott, we went through Classes 1 and 2A in the first episode. Class 3A's got some stories here as well. Yeah, yeah, uh, they definitely do. You going to jump right into it or you Well, we, let's let's do well, what I just, I was just wondering, yeah, if anybody's wondering that, you know, Chris and I are, are socially distancing, uh, I'm in here streaming Hamilton on a loop and Chris is in there trying to talk the NFL into putting, uh, cardboard uh, pictures of him behind the goalposts. Yeah. Especially in Detroit. (laughs) Those goalposts block a lot of kicks anyway. I was going to say though, Hey, there'd actually be a fan you could see. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Now I tell you what the NHL did last night. When we were watching, they said thanks to the fans, and they actually have actual fans in the seats. <laughs> like, I did not see like, that. So, um, circling fans. Well, so. I, I just I just want to see you a, a picture of you. Uh, unlike the guy that used to wear the rainbow wig, you with your Bob Ross wig. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see that. You know, right there. You want to talk about putting a hex on some of the kickers? You know, just have you out there giving them the evil eye. This is. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is for Halloween, kids, boys and girls. No, so. no, he's not. He, he's not. Uh, it's, it's not cosplay. It was. Uh, it was a. It was a work function. I, I can attest. If you do see me in week eleven, though, wearing a wig, though, know what it's about, <laughs> and know that I don't care. Now <laughs> he really doesn't. <laughs> so, but a lot of good, a lot of good teams in this batch that we're going to talk about. Uh, you know, a couple that made some really deep playoff runs last mm-hmm. season. And, you know, Class 3A has some pretty good football in it. And a lot of maybe a lot of people around here don't necessarily see it because they they were so focused on some of the bigger schools. But there's some talented players in these teams that we're going to talk about that can really make impacts. And colleges are taking notice, too. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of these kids, uh, colleges really were looking at their uh, their junior years, correct? Yeah. So I mean, a lot of, none none of these kids are going to really come as you're always going to have your surprises, your your uh, your ones that just come out of nowhere. But you're saying that uh, for the most part, colleges have a good idea who they're keeping their eye on. Um, I want to say that Briggs uh, uh, out of uh, Gallatin last year, yeah. um, he was one of those ones that was really a surprise. And I'm not going to say that it's easier for colleges to find kids, but with the proliferation of services like huddle where coaches are putting film constantly online there and, and social media obviously there are ways for recruits to be seen in this day and age unlike anything that they had before and the camps that they've had over right. uh you know that that you know you see online all the time mm-hmm. uh the invitational camps and things like that so yeah i think that and you know <laughs> Mo Patton brought this up uh, to me one time. We live in an age where the athletes are actually doing more, a uh, lot more promotion of themselves. Right. And so there's a lot more of social media interaction. Yep. That's a lot of good teams, a lot of good players to talk about in this, in this bunch of several teams that we'll get to. We'll do that right after this. This is the 615 Preps Podcast. Stay with us. And welcome back to the 615 Preps Podcast preseason edition. Got to dive into Class 3A with uh, several teams around the area, starting in Region 4. Scott with the Smith County Owls. 
Yeah, Smith County, they had a, uh, a good year last year, 4-1 in the region, 7-5 total, actually uh, went to the playoffs. Uh, lost in the uh, second round uh, to Loudoun. Uh, they've got a really uh, a really good team. But i tell you, this schedule right now is the thing that jumps out to me. They start out with four games at home, yep. including Upperman and then York homecoming. You know, before they dive into a couple of away games, and then they finish off away. But that schedule, I think, those away games aren't aren't too too much. I'm not going to say they're not a challenge. Every game's a challenge, and everybody can beat anybody. But those are games that they should win. So that that schedule right at the first jumps out at me is that this Smith County team could make a run at Upperman. Yeah, they're really the three teams that they're going to be fighting for positioning amongst the the four playoff teams. They're playing those three teams first in the region. And when you look at their schedule, five of their last six are on the road, but they get to play Upperman at home. They get to play York Institute at home. They'll have a pretty good idea if they're going to make the playoffs or not before they ever leave Carthage for a, for a road game. Right. Now, they've got uh, – it, it's not a an overly – I don't want to say it's not an experienced team, but they're starters – they only have three returning on offense and two on defense. Yeah, they only have six seniors. That's going to be their. That's going to be their challenge this year. Is you know how quickly they grow up and coalesce into a a good team. Yeah, and that's the challenge for Coach Scott Murray. Um, they've got a solid uh, player returning in DJ Burke. Uh, you know, DJ Burke is a. Uh, he's a senior uh, defensive uh, lineman and tight end, but he is a force out there on the field. I think also, uh, you know, some players to to watch. Uh, you know, of course, Johnny Lida, who's the the quarterback. Um, he uh, he's also uh, somebody that you know he, he's definitely a great athlete. Um, so he's he's another player that that really has a chance to to make some noise and move this offense along. And you mentioned DJ Burke, defensive lineman and a tight end, six three two fifty five. You don't <laughs> find a lot of size at a tight end spot in, at this level. Six three two fifty five tight end who's going to be able to, to help in the passing game, and right. he will. And and he's a load to bring down. I yeah. mean at that. At that level, I yeah, mean, it's yeah. Smith County lost leading rusher John Ross Horde from last year's team. You know, he was he was one of our. We talked about Horde a lot. He he carried a lot of the mail in that offense, and and losing him is a lot of production gone. So the Owls are going to have to find some some new guys to carry the ball and, and really to catch the ball for them. Scott Murray's bunch has a little bit of a job to do in this region because you know. When you've got teams like Upperman and York Institute and Sequatchie County that you're going to have to jostle with for these playoff spots, and you're not bringing a ton of experience back, you know, it it brings a little bit. There's a little bit of uncertainty there, but I think the Owls are going to be competitive in a lot of games. It's just a matter of of can you keep pace with the Uppermans and the Sequatchie Counties in yeah. this region? Yeah, the, uh, Dennis West. Their their uh, wide receivers are. Are fairly sizable. A couple of them, you know, at six feet or a little bit over. Um, yeah, he's probably the one of their better ones. He returns with some experience at wide receiver. Uh, he can actually uh, get the ball and, and push it upfield. So I think that you know having that 
you know, having him there at that position is going to to help the offense along. Make sure that uh, that Lida has somebody that is dependable. Smith County was second at region last year after it won four of their five region games. On the other end of it, Cannon County was one in four. They finished fifth and out of the postseason. And the Lions over in Woodbury still have a bit of a hill to climb to try to get to the playoffs. They own one of the longest streaks without making the postseason in this area. They've not been to the playoffs since 2009. Yeah, they had they had some struggles last year. They, you know, they had some a, a big win over Warren County. I mean, that's a you know a strong six A you know win, but it also you know they had some games that just got away from them last year, and I think that that's that's going to be the thing is. Is you know how does uh, Coach Daniel uh, get these guys believing and get these guys to to where they're playing you know solid football that will allow them to move up uh, into that that playoff realm? Um, it's really going to be interesting to see if if he can happen. I think it can be done. I think that you know Cannon County is poised to to make a push into that uh, that fourth spot at least. Yeah, they they actually they played York Institute really close last year and would have been in the playoffs had they won that game. I think it was a one point loss in week eleven. So, you know, there's there's a shot for them to break through and end that ten year playoff drought. And, and what's worse, not only have they not made the playoffs since two thousand nine, get this, they have not won a playoff game since nineteen seventy eight. Oh my goodness, forty one years. Wow. So they're so they're primed. Yeah, they're, yeah, and, and a couple of guys to mention here: and Connor Tucker, two hundred twenty-five pounds, six footer, will handle the the B back in the wing in the wing T offense for Cannon County. Um, probably will be a full time linebacker as well, and he's going to be asked to do a lot on both sides of the ball. And you've got guys like Edward Robinson, Lavelle Rogers, John Hubbard, Blake Bond that also will factor in and key positions. So it isn't like there's a void of talent for Cannon County. It's just they've got to learn how to finish games. Right. And that's, that is the key. You know, cut down on turnovers, cut down on mistakes at inappropriate times or, or just bad luck at, at, you know, at times. And I think that it's something that they can overcome. And if they do, uh, they'll be playing in the postseason. Yeah. We'll switch gears and go to Region 5 next. And this is one of the more hotly contested regions in this area simply because you know, these these Metro teams, they put on a good show when they play each other. One really big change in Region 5 this year, Republic is not feeling a team this year. They have dropped out, and now Green Hill, the first-year school in Wilson County, inherits their schedule. So although they're not eligible for the playoffs and they're not really playing a region schedule we're going to talk about them here because they're kind of grouped in with these teams but we'll start with the runner-up from three last year the Pearl Cone Firebirds nearly had a perfect season they had one of the best seasons in school history but it fell short because Alcoa was Alcoa yeah I mean yeah I, I thought really that the Pearl Cone team that we were going to see uh, that we saw all year was going to to carry over. We knew that it was going to be a tough task against Alcoa. We did, but it just 
you know, they got behind early and then just could not seem to get anything, uh, anything moving. And that was a, that was a shame. Uh, they are a, a very good team. They just offensively couldn't get anything together. But that's, you know, like you said, Alcoa is going to Alcoa. You know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the good news for the Firebirds under Tony Brunetti is most of their starters are back. They've got 17 total back, eight on offense, nine on defense. And here's some of the names that are returning for the Firebirds. William Griffin on both offense and defensive line. Ivan Dayton at running back, maybe at wide receiver a little bit. Kendrick Breedlove at cornerback. He's a committed to Ole Miss. Orion Jordan, Corey Mosley, Jaron Jackson, Martino Owens at quarterback. John Roberts, Barry and Brown. The list goes on and on of guys that are getting a lot of good reps, a lot of experience that are coming back for this team. There's no reason they shouldn't be in a position again where they might get another shot at Alcoa. I think that all things being equal, it, it's really going to hinge on their defense because you just put out a lot of it, uh, names right there that could and should be playing at the next level. Martino Owens is a 2,000-yard passer. Uh, you know, Barry and Brown, he's the uh, – He's a running back. He had ten receiving touchdowns, so they catch uh, good, uh, out, uh, very well out of the uh, backfield. Uh, Dayton, who you know, you know, he's he's five five, and I think five five maybe being generous. I don't know, uh, but he is greased lightning, and he is from what I see, he you know he makes people around him better. Uh, you talked about Kendrick Breedlove. I think that offensively, this team is as good as anybody. Now, Pearl Cone also, being in Metro, they're going to be affected by some schedule changes. They're not going yep. to get to go until after September 8th, uh, which, right, which takes out their first three games and puts their region game with Stratford in jeopardy. Whether that gets played and, and at a later date or not remains to be seen. But right now they're looking at an opening on September 11th against Maplewood. Well, let me ask you this, Chris. Uh, looking at their schedule – and looking at their their region, um, can you identify any of the teams? Uh, Giles County is not a Metro team. They're not, but Giles County was the team that did some damage in the playoffs last season in that class. So they may be the immediate threat to Pearl Cone. Yeah, the, well, what worries me is about, you know, we talked about the possibility in the last episode, we talked a little bit about the possibility of unequal schedules because right. Metro possibly losing – certain games mm-hmm. and you know what does that do to a team like is white's creek uh, uh their metro yep they are okay so it's really in that in that region giles county is the only wild card everybody else is affected correct they are uh they are but here's the thing i mean you know they may they may lose one region game out of this and even right. at that it's probably going to get rescheduled to later in the year so the damage as far as the region goes probably doesn't get done there. It's these other games, these non-region games, the big gates that they would probably draw. Uh, Pearl Cone was supposed to open at Cane Ridge and host NBA in the first two weeks of the season, and those are big games that are not going to happen now. Oh, yeah, we were planning on being at the NBA game. Yeah. Yeah, that that was that was one that I had circled from the time it came out. Um, yeah, you're right. There, there's going to be some gates lost Uh with these with these metro schools, I was just I just want to make sure that and so you know yeah our listeners understood you know this was what I was concerned with when we talked when we found out that metro was going to be you know backed up and to 
to explain what would happen in that situation if you've got a game that gets canceled because one team cannot play. The team that cannot play does not get a loss in their overall record. It doesn't. It's a, it's a no contest. It doesn't count. The the team that could have played, the healthy team, if you want to call them that, right. would get a win for region seeding purposes only. Ah, okay. So it, it's a no contest as far as overall records, but when you come time to seed teams for the playoffs, the healthy team gets that gets that win to to help even things out. Right. So okay. that's really important because the next couple of teams in our list are going to be in the same boat. Right. Um, and last year, Stratford was also was also in the same boat. You know, they finished second last year, eight and four. And the Spartans, they lost to Mr. Football and James Magic Moore, and they're going to have to find a way to replace his production. And I don't know that you can do that with just one guy. No, uh, there's absolutely uh... – not, I had I had actually circled James Moore ain't walking through that door, <laughs> <laughs> right? Uh, you know those those are those players don't come around, but you know once every you know I even hesitate to say once every decade, but uh, you know he was just I mean it was it was amazing to watch him play because it was basically hand him the ball and see that giant pile move. Yeah, yeah. I think I remember taking a photo last year when in when they played East Nashville that there were like seven East Nashville players trying to bring him down. That's just how powerful of a runner he was and how much he's going to be missed in that offense. Uh, Stratford, under Thomas Porter, he's going to be his third season, six on offense, six on defense, and returning starters. So some of the guys that they'll be looking at Drake Juan Gills at receiver, Sam, you know, Samuel Armstead probably will play some quarterback, maybe even a little bit of receiver, Jacob Webb in that discussion at quarterback as well. Marquise Groves at defensive back, Ethan Ford, DeArco Perkins McAllister, Carlton Williams. Yeah, Darko Perkins McAllister is the one I had circled. I think that he really has a good chance to to really have a breakout year. So the Spartans second and and the thing was last year, I mean, they they played Pearl Cone decently well. It's not like they were getting just absolutely. The first meeting wasn't great, but uh, you know, Stratford got better as the year went on. Once more, started finding his legs. Yeah, uh, I think that this team is actually uh, in in really good. Uh, I mean, if you're going to be in the same region as Pearl Cone, your defense better be solid. Yeah, and I think that Stratford's defense is solid. I think their defensive backfield is outstanding. Right. And, uh, you know, Darko Perkins McAllister also uh, as a defensive back. Marquise Groves, you mentioned him. Both of those guys were all city, all region. Um, and then uh, Jackie's Hinton, I believe you mentioned, he would be the – right now he's the one who's slated to replace Magic in the backfield. Yeah. And, which is an unfair comparison. He's the one who's going to be – my understanding, carrying the rock. I'm not going to compare him to – because it's unfair. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah, these guys, I think that they – it's it's Pearl Cones Mountain they're standing on top of. But but I think Stratford is – has a possibility of knocking them off of there. Yeah. I really do. They're going to have to play better than that 42-6 loss, though, last year if they're going to, if they're going to do that. Now, East Nashville, on the other hand, played Pearl Cone tightly – in the regular season, they, they held them to two touchdowns. Defense is the name of the game over there, but there are some changes for the Eagles as 
they now have a new head coach in Jamal Stewart who comes over from Hillsboro. Yeah, that was uh, – yeah, Brian Wade is now over at uh, Pearl Cone. He's Cane I mean, Ridge. I'm sorry, Cane Ridge, right? Yeah. Yeah, uh, East Nashville gets a, a whole new a whole new coach. It's going to be interesting to see what changes there because they were a team that uh, was doing uh, some good things. Uh, you know, that, that game that uh, – we were there with, uh, you know, they played uh, Pearl Cone really tight. It was only a fourteen to to nothing game, and for the length of that game, it was only seven to nothing. Yeah, and it was a late score that put that put uh, the game away for Pearl Cone. Yeah, and truthfully, it was strictly that their defense was great, but their offense just struggled to get anything consistently. They couldn't throw, you know, Pearl Cone's got a good defense too, and. Um, yeah, you know, so it's going to be interesting to see what uh, Coach Stewart does with the with the team. I know that uh, they've got their senior quarterback uh, Quanzi Jemison uh, coming back. He can score, uh, run or pass. Yep. Um, I know that Jacoby Leatherwood on the defense and the offensive lineman. He's outstanding. Uh, you know, they've got some solid pieces there. Yeah, yeah. Rontavius Gregory at running back, Willie Wilson at wide receiver. Chris Eggers on the offensive line as a senior coming back. Taylon Fletcher, Taylon Fletcher, sorry, offensive lineman and junior. You know the pieces are there for East Nashville, and they played Pearl Cone better than anybody else did. So yeah, just looking at some of their defense, their linemen. You know, you're seeing two twenty, two twenty, three ten, two sixty. They've got some road graders uh, up front, and you know some you know. You know some concrete blocks up there on the defensive line. I mean. They're they're going to be a force. It's it's the 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 three teams at the that we've mentioned so far. Um, it's going to be really interesting to see these guys play. Yeah. Um. I was looking at the schedule, and you know, Pearl Cone is at home. Um, yeah. I'm looking at uh, and I'm looking at their the the East Nashville schedule to see where Stratford is. Yeah, Stratford's uh, October sixteenth, right so, now. So those games are going to be late in the season. What what I'm bringing up with this is that East Nashville is going to get a chance to correct some stuff or to to get some things solid before they end up having to play Pearl Cone or Stratford. Yeah, right now East Nashville doesn't have a Week 11 game, and you know they'll have to make up their game with Giles County or at least try to. Oh yeah, that's right. Because that's, that's a week. Three. It's a September 4th game. It's a week three game. Right now, yeah. there's only eight games on East Nashville's schedule at the moment that we're seeing, but it's going to change. Yep, because I mean they're like I said they're out past September at least until September eighth. So, no whether that Giles County game gets moved to the end of the season or not will remains to be seen. But uh, East Nashville will have some chances to to work on some things before they have to play Pearl Cone, Ensworth, and Stratford in succession. At least at the moment, Ensworth still on the schedule, but that could change. Yeah, it's going to be real interesting what they have to, what has to be bumped for that Giles County game. Yeah, right now. So right now there's no Week 11 game listed for them, so that's a possibility unless Giles County actually has somebody else. And I what what week schedule. is what is Week 11? It is October 30th. October 30th well, they have Pearl Cone. They have Cone Pearl Cone. So, so we'll, we'll see. I, I, it, there's a very real chance that you know their September 11th game with Brainerd gets bumped or even or, their October 9th game with Ensworth could get bumped. Or their October 23rd with Tullahoma maybe. Yeah. Or Good Pasture. So, yeah, I'm sure that there's a whole group of people looking at that schedule right now <laughs> trying to figure out, you know, what they're going to do with that. And we're not the only ones looking at this trying to figure out what's going to happen. So many other people have been, you know, like, 
who's going to play when, what game do you have to bump? I mean, how do you how do you navigate this situation with these with these school systems holding teams back? Well, it, it's I mean, Coach Coleman when we did the uh, coaches and Q uh, interview with him. Uh, Brian he, Coleman he, Summit. Yeah, yeah, Brian Coleman Summit. Yeah, uh, when we did that uh, that show with him, he brought up the need to have to go out and and find games and and things of that nature and what the difficulty was were going to be. So, um, you know these these teams are still waiting. I think to make sure that the other shoe doesn't drop before they, you know, cut something loose. They don't have to. Yeah. And the other team in this region that we haven't talked about is White's Creek. Uh, they just had a recent coaching change. William Darnell takes over for the Cobras. They entered 2020 having lost their last four games, and they were having to replace quite a bit, five on each side coming back as far as starters are concerned. Uh, Gabriel Johnson, a junior at running back, and Michael Green, a senior wide receiver amongst the kids that are coming back that, that played meaningful minutes for them in yeah. 2019. Yeah, they're, they're going to have a, a, a tough uh, hill to climb to, to move up into uh, – into postseason, uh, you know, these are just some tough teams up in front of them. Yeah. I mean, even Giles County. I mean, is Giles – well, look, Giles County knocked off, what, East Nashville last year? Right. And, you know, they were they finished fourth. Yeah. So, it, it's really unfortunate to have that strong of schools in front of you, but uh, that's why you play. And, and the Whites Creek finished three and seven last year. And the three wins came against Oak Haven, Republic, and Glencliff. And in the other seven games, they scored 14 points or fewer in all of them. Yeah. So the, putting points up has been the problem for the Cobras, or at least it was last year. Yeah, they've got some They've got some work to do definitely on the offensive side. So we got some work to do on the other side. We'll talk about <laughs> Region 6 after this. This oh. is the 615 Preps Podcast. We're oh. backing up to this. Oh, wow. And welcome back to the 615 Preps Podcast preseason edition. We continue our look at Class 3A now with Region 6. And, Scott, we start with the defending champion Fairview Yellow Jackets, who under Chris Hughes had been pretty consistent in his time over in Fairview. He's 106-37 and in 12 years. What he's built over there is a solid program. It might not get enough attention just because it's in 3A. Yeah, I mean this is this program is is really something else. Uh, he he's really I mean you're looking at uh, yeah, the most consecutive playoff appearances. He's third right now. Their their program is anyway. Fairview at 19. Um, this is this is a team that that knows how to win. It was it was somewhat kind of uh, you know they lost in the first round, three A first round uh, to Giles County, which was surprising to me. Uh, I'm sure it was surprising to a lot of other people. But. Uh, on the seed line, it was an upset for sure. Yeah, and and because I, I really thought that this team was was built for a longer run, and and so they they have they've got to have a little bit of a, a a nasty taste in their mouth, a little chip on their shoulder going into this season, um, as much as you can given the circumstances. Let's just put it that way. And a lot of the returning starters, they they have 17 returning starters, eight on offense, nine on defense. And it starts in the backfield with a Mr. Football finalist from last year in Logan Nardozzi, who comes back for his senior season with that chip on his shoulder, and I would expect a big year from him. Oh, yeah, he's a beast. And he's he's just amazing. Uh, you know, Mr. Football finalist, 1,000-yard rusher, 17 TVs, regional 
player of the year. I mean, the you know the hardware just stacks up. But uh, this team, they've got something else in in their uh, that's po- uh, another player that's poised for a breakout year, and that's senior quarterback Riley Bennett. I think that uh, he he's really going to be a, a key uh, to this team because so many people are going to be um, keying on Nardozzi. Uh, they also have, you know, they they have some really good players on uh, on defense. Uh, Bryce Fannin, he had five picks last year. Uh, you know, this team they they have a lot of team speed. I don't know if you look at some of their size, you're kind of you look at it and say, wow, that's you know they're not incredibly big. They don't have to be. They don't have to be. Uh, they are fundamentally a really solid team. Yeah, especially when you have a coach who's an offensive coordinator running a spread offense. You you're not gonna have you know you're not stacking the line of scrimmage to to stop them because you've got three or four receivers that you got to deal with every time out. Now Nardozzi had more than 1,700 yards last year and averaged nine and a half yards a carry. That's how good he was, and he didn't win Mister Football. So it just went to show how much James Moore at Stratford. Uh, meant to a lot of voters. Yeah, and and let me let me check something when I was talking about size. I was talking about overall. They've got a couple of road you know road graders up yeah. front. I mean, usually you somebody like you know you have uh, Bruce Johnson who's six one two thirty five, uh, Jack Baker who's six four two eighty five. Mm-hmm. You know those guys are going. You know they're protecting the quarterback and they're opening holes for Nardozzi. I'm just I was just saying that overall this is not a team that. Now this is this is not a team that's just built on beating you up. Right. Yeah. This this is a team that is finesse. This is a team that is well well coached. Yeah. And it, it shows in the history uh, of this uh, of this team. Uh, you know, you look at most consecutive winning seasons. They're tied with Oakland at twelve. Yeah. So this is a program that uh, right now standing on top of that uh, region six three A hill. And, you know, it's going to take somebody to come and knock them off. Yeah. And last year, they really – they only had one rough loss, and that was to Page in the opener in their in their Battle of 840 rivalry game to open the season. They had a two-point loss to Waverly, but every, they won everything else, and, and they're expecting to do that again this year. I wouldn't be surprised if they have another eight, nine-win season in the regular season. I would think that anything less would, would be surprising. You know, a, a team that's hopefully trying to you know, maybe knock them off would be Sycamore. Sycamore was second in this region last year, but you know, they've got some pieces to replace as well. And the War Eagles have new blood, actually, in, in their coaching ranks as Mark Hall takes over. Hall was an assistant at Rossview for, for the last five years and had some sense at Laverne and other private schools before he comes to Sycamore. The War Eagles, you know, there's a little bit of a change with them. Yeah, they're going to have to improve defensively. They're, they're, uh, you know, they gave up a lot of points last year. Um, in most of in most of the games that you know were not, you know, uh, where they weren't the overwhelming favorite. You know, they they lost uh, in the first round to East Nashville. But uh, I think head coach Mark Hall has got uh, this team moving in the right direction, or at least uh, uh, he, he's working in, you know, he's getting that team primed. I think that this team has a really good chance uh, of 
of at least being where you know where they were. He might have one of the harder jobs because he came in in late May. Right, as a late hire, and not only did they not have spring practice or or scrimmages, he's had no time basically with with his kids in person until they got back for for practice for the fall. So, you know, the job for him, he's got to do a lot more in a short amount of time just because he's a new head coach coming in very, very late. Yeah, and he's going to have to make a decision. I don't know how uh, – if I'm not sure what they run and if it differs from what he has used in the past. Uh, what's going to be really interesting, interesting is to see who wins the quarterback battle because they have an incumbent senior quarterback in Grady McPherson. But Tyler Hall uh, – yeah, you know, he's the coach's son. He understands, you know, probably better than anybody what the coach runs. Um, so it's going to be real interesting to see how that battle plays out, and if they, you know, it may be that they, because I'm, I'm, you know, when you have a coach come in that late, you know, do you really have time to install a new, yeah. a new offense, especially since they got such a he came in late and then they got a late start yeah. on doing a lot of this stuff, so. It may be that they have to run a hybrid, so this may be, uh, this may be a lost year for them. It just depends on how these kids, you know, what how he can come in there and set the tone, install his philosophy, install his culture, and and how well the kids respond. Yeah, and you also have to factor in Stewart County and Camden and Camden Central in this region as far as what there there might be a gap between. Sycamore and Fairview with those two teams kind of factoring into the mix. So uh, it, not a, not an easy task by any means to, to come in this late, but it's not like he's inheriting a bad football team. You know, they were a playoff team for last year. Right. Yeah, absolutely right. So uh, I agree. It's, it's going to be – they're going to be one of the more interesting teams to watch to see how that dynamic works out. Now, Cheatham County, on the other hand, you know, they did not make the postseason last year. Two and eight under Gary Halstead, or Gary Halstead actually takes over. Yeah, uh, he's say, another new coach there in, the, in that region. There's a, a, a lot of turnover in this one region, uh, if you can call two coaches <laughs> a lot of turnover. Two out of six is quite a bit of turnover yeah, they, if you if you think about it. Yeah, they do have they have ten starters returning, four offense and six defense, and Jamison Bowen at running back and linebacker. Cooper Owen at quarterback, a junior coming back for them. Michael York on the offensive and defensive lines. Um, there's some there's some pieces there, but it's going to be it, it's going to be tough trying to move up in this region. You know when you don't have a ton of when you have a ton of turnover on the roster, as far as your starters are concerned. Oh yeah, I mean there there are some good pieces on this team, but are there enough? Yeah. Is are there enough pieces? Uh, and can you plug those other holes uh, that you have uh, with some youth that's coming up? And and that's going to be the big question here. Again, a new coach, uh, you know, it's it's difficult, especially in uh, this year. I mean, I keep harping on this year how difficult it's going to be for new coaches to get everything installed the way they wanted it installed, get the culture set get the guys on the same page. And it's going to be real hard to jump out of the gate and and pick up wins early if you don't have that against a team that has continuity. And this was a team last year that did not really keep games close against region foes either. So they've got to start working on 
those games first before anything else. You, you've got to be able to stay in contention in, in some games where you need to win them. Yeah, and it, it, the, the schedule is not an easy one. Um, looking at, at, at their opponents, it's, it, it's balanced as far as home dates away. Uh, uh, th- and theirs, like that, will, theirs will change because they have two Metro teams on their original schedule in the first two weeks. So oh, that is true. Th- those will not be their first two games. And they, it, could, it could, depending on what their schedule looks like, they could open up at Fairview. Ooh, and wow, that is definitely what you don't want. And it looks like exactly what's going to happen. And they'll 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 find out really quick where they are because that's I mean, the cream of the crop in the region. Yeah, I mean that you know, we talked about, you know, getting everything installed. I think that is exactly the opposite of what you were really hoping for. Yeah. Of course, with everything two thousand twenty, these things are subject to change. So <laughs> Yeah. We have to we have to throw a disclaimer yeah. into those Schedule yeah. discussions. You, you can't see the asterisks, but it's there. It's it's rather large too, <laughs> and it just kind of covers everything we do. Uh, Want to bring up Harpeth as well. Harpeth unfortunately finished in the bottom of this region last season, uh, but there may be some brighter days ahead for Duck Loop and the Indians. And it's been four years since they went to the playoffs, and they've had some number issues, but they've got a quarterback who was all region last year coming back for a senior year, and they have a couple of pieces also on the defensive side of the ball. We start with Thomas Sloan at quarterback for Harpeth, and all region last year, It's it's he's a four-year starter now, basically, right. as, as long as he does. Seven games last year, threw for 500 yards and five touchdowns, um, but he, he completed more than 50% of his passes. That, at the high school level, that's, that's better than most. Yeah, They've got seven returning starters on offense, seven on defense. So at least you got some continuity there. Um, you know, twelve seniors re- returning. Uh, but I looked at at their new players, and that there there is a lot of new players coming up in skill positions. You have a quarterback, a freshman quarterback coming up. Uh, actually, another uh, sophomore quarterback. Uh, you know, they've got some pieces. There's some youth there, but there's all you know to go with those senior uh, players. So. This team could make a play to, to improve uh, this year. Yep. Uh, they've got some players of note. Uh, you know, Davion Prim, the wide receiver defensive back. Uh, Lionel Marquardt, uh, the running back. Logan Johnston, I think you mentioned him. The quarterback, he's a sophomore. Um, these are kids that are all primed to have breakout seasons. So I could see them... Uh, at least improving on the uh, the winless region record, possibly, and and improving on their record. So uh, that region, it's fair views to win. I think um, whether you know you have Camden or or Stewart County challenge for that region remains to be seen. And then the other teams are just kind of they're fighting for that fourth spot. Really, I think. I really, I think you're exactly right. I think that uh, Camden Stewart are pretty much you know, right now with the state of their programs where they're at compared to the other three that we talked about after Fairview, uh, they just seem to be a little bit more solid. But, you know, this is a good year to for teams like Sycamore and Cheatham County and Harpeth to take that next step, to improve, to get better and and get their younger players going, get the coaches' uh, systems installed and with the new coaches so that next year, year after that, they're making a play for that third, second, third spot. Yeah. This is probably a good time to throw in another team that is really going to be 
their first year school at Green Hill, they're actually they were going to play Republic's schedule this season. And after Republic dropped out, now with some schedule changes, their their whole schedule is it's de- it's definitely different from what it was. They were going to be playing the region teams that Republic did, which would have been Region Five: Procone, Giles County, East Nashville, Stratford, White's Creek. But the Hawks under first year under first year head coach Josh Crouch, you know, they. They're basically they're going to be on they're going to be on new turf this year and this is a school that's probably going to be five or six A when we reclassify yep. whether it's next year or not. But as long as this year's concerned, they they have some they have some opportunities to get some wins in the schedule, though that they're not shying away from scheduling good teams. They're going to start with Gallatin. or they play at Laverne first. They're they're at home against Gallatin in week two or week three actually. They're playing at Good Pasture right now at Pearl Cone on September 18th. They're playing FRA, Stratford, Giles County, at Lakeway Christian late in the year, and then at Notre Dame to finish the year. So uh, these kids are going to get their bumps yeah. really quickly. But it, it looks like the Hawks may have some pieces in place already to to help get that started. Well, I think they're going to have, uh, you know, the, the athletes. Uh, it's just a matter of, you know, getting into to, uh, Coach Crouch, getting his system installed. And then seeing what he's got and, uh, you know, seeing which players, I mean, you're going to have some that played together before you're going to have some new faces. It's going to be really interesting to see. And, and the schedule that they got is that's a tough schedule. Uh, that's a tough schedule if it wasn't your first year. Yep. Um, but they're excited. They're excited about being there. Uh, they're excited about uh, being able to compete. Um, I think that it'll be a, it'll be a tough year for them, but, It'll be a growing year for them. Crouch had largely a full off season with the team, even though they didn't really get to practice or, or scrimmage anybody in the, in the spring. And they were actually were not going to play a full varsity schedule this year. But right. when Republic dropped out, the opportunity came for them to pick up extra games. And so here they are. They're just going to go ahead and, and go full bore as a varsity program. They'll be eligible for the postseason next year, but not this year. Not this year, yeah. Well, that's uh... – that's gonna be. It's gonna be fun to. It's gonna be interesting to watch that program grow from the from the ground up. And a couple of names to mention here: you got Cameron Soul as a senior, Fred Dixon, Colin Gerald, and Sam Crickmar possibly at skill spots. Caleb Carver as a sophomore, Sean Aldridge and Nico Duffy could could see action on both sides of the ball. And you have guys like Junior Tyson King, a six four, two hundred eighty pounder who who will find his way on the field with that kind of size. If, as long as he can you know, do what's necessary to do so. Ashton Rice, Sam Crickmar, Dylan Cantrell, or other guys that should be starters. A, yeah, lot, I mean, of, a lot of those guys are going to wind up being in the trenches. Yeah, I mean, you see a lot of – there's a lot of size, a lot of, uh, a lot of talent here. Um, it's just a matter of where they're going to be, where he sees these kids fitting in his system. I mean, you look at Lane Alexander, 6'4", 200. I mean – You'll find a place for a kid who's six four, two hundred pounds. Yeah, and he, they're getting a lot of kids from Wilson Central and Mount Juliet, so you know that there are some athletes coming from these programs who are itching to play. Yeah, so they'll be interesting to watch just from that standpoint. But like we said, the schedule's not going to be easy as far as finding wins. I mean, you know. But I think going into this year, it's you know, 
the goal's got to be to compete. Yeah. Uh, you know, and maybe just maybe you surprise a few a team or two. Yeah. And and I think that you hang your hat on that. And if that's your goal, that's your target. I mean, your target's to win every game. Yes, I, I get that. But realism, and you know, reality has to set in. Yeah. And if you can come out and compete with that schedule, you're, you know, you count yourself a winner. There. It will say a lot about what this program can do in future years if they if they are competitive and play some close games against this these types of teams. Because by the time that they are in a, when they're in a region, if they hit the ground running, depending on where they wind up. Mm-hmm. You know, they could be at the top when they start. You know, you just don't know. Yeah, they're they're kind of in a situation like Nolansville was a few years ago when they were just starting out. You know, they've made the playoffs every year since they played a varsity schedule. Right. Because they, they had talent coming in from other talent-rich programs that were itching to get on the field and just made things happen. Green Hill could be in that same situation in a year or so. I, would lay, I wouldn't bet against it. So. Well, that's it for our 3A preview. That's all the time we've got in this episode. Uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting us. Go to 615preps.com for more. We've got some more things to announce coming soon. And we've got more teams to preview for the 2020 season. Our next episode, we'll get into Class 5A. Yeah. Actually, or is it 4A? 4A's next. 4A's next. 4A next. 4A's next, yeah. then 5A. We'll go right down the line. But uh, be on the lookout for that very soon. And until then... For Scott Burton, I'm Chris Brooks. We'll talk to you next time. Take care, everyone. See you. Six One Five Preps Podcast is a production of B Squared Media LLC.